across the UK, online and on DAB. The Saturday Show with Alexis Conrad on Talk Radio. Entertaining debates, big-name guests and outspoken opinions. The Saturday Show with Alexis Conrad. Tackling the topics that everyone's talking about on Talk Radio. Welcome to the show with me, Alexis Conran, here on Talk Radio. Uh, we are going to be starting with our Brexit hour this uh, hour. And then after that, of course, we're going to be talking a little bit of Trump. Because, uh, my goodness, there's uh, a lot going on uh, over the pond, especially with uh, the cases of Paul Manafort, uh, Cohen, the lawyers, now saying he's misled the Congress. I mean, there's just so much to catch up on. But we are also uh, going to be looking at food bank banks uh, and their use this Christmas. Some, I have to tell you, when I prepare for this show, I always uh, sort of spend the morning uh, reading and doing my prep for, for coming into the studio. And for the first time, I've been completely depressed because I've been reading all the information from the Trussell Trust, who are going to be on the show uh, later on, about the usage of food banks uh, over Christmas. It, it's just quite extraordinary the amount of people who are going to be reliant on food banks uh, this Christmas. And um, well, we're going to be talking about a nice scheme that uh, is going to be starting up in uh, Sainsbury's that's going to help food banks out. Uh, but also we're going to be finding out a little bit more about who uses these food banks and how often they have to use them. And also I'm going to be asking your opinion uh, towards the end of the show. We're going to go back to crime and especially moped crime. And I know you've I know Talk Radio have been um, tweeting out uh, this uh, footage. And I think you can find them all uh, all online. The footage of uh, people being knocked off their motor motorbikes. Now I ride a motorbike uh, in London. I ride a moped actually in London. And I want to find out your opinion on what you think of that, those police measures of actually riding into people and knocking them off their scooter um, in order to put, a, put an end to mobile crime. Is that the right way to go? I can tell you that under law, under UK law, it's classified as dangerous driving. Even if you're a police officer in pursuit, it is not careful and competent driving and it applies to all of us at all times. So what's your opinion on that? But first... We are going to be talking Brexit because this is the Brexit hour. And with me, I said that I have uh, something even more rare than uh, a Brexit unicorn that we've been promised. And I have a Conservative MP who is willing to vote for the Prime Minister's withdrawal agreement, who is also a Brexiteer. So please welcome to the show Paul Scully, who's uh, uh, MP for Sutton and Cheam, and you're also uh, Tory Vice Chair for London. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thank you very much, Alex. Really good to see you. Yeah, very good to see you. Now, we've got to, got to say, um, we've, we've met twice in person Indeed. in very odd circumstances. <laughs> we, uh, I, for the last two years, have been presenting the uh, Bangladeshi Caterers Association Awards round the corner, and uh, you have been there because you chair an all-party parliamentary group. Yeah, it's one of the ran more random things that I do. I chair <laughs> the um, all-party parliamentary group for the British curry catering industry. Uh, so uh, all the Bangladeshis who own most of the uh, uh, curry restaurants call me the curry minister. So if it's I the never, curry minister. So if I never get a proper promotion in my life, I'll always have that title. You'll which always is, which be the good. curry minister. Exactly, exactly. Uh, now look, uh, let's, let's get stuck in and, and find out a little bit more about this withdrawal agreement. And also... Uh, what I'm intrigued about is it's very difficult to find Remainers or Brexiteers who will support it. Uh, you are supporting it. You voted to leave. You're a Brexiteer. Uh, as a Brexiteer, if I could possibly ask you to take your 
uh, Minister of Parliament hat on, but as a Brexiteer, someone who believes that we're better off outside the European Union, does this withdrawal agreement deliver on your hopes and dreams of leaving the EU? So it's not uh, anywhere near, uh, by any stretch, uh, a perfect deal. It's not, um, uh, you know, uh, something that I would have liked to have been at at this point. But in terms of uh, pragmatism, in terms of where we can go, yeah, it deals enough with why, the reasons for why I voted to leave. And so it gets us out of the political institutions, for example, which is always my big driver. So such as? Uh, well, things like the uh, European Parliament, the five presidents of the, uh, the various councils. And so the accountability mm -hmm. uh, on the day-to-day -day matters comes back to people like myself. So people can actually see me. But in the government's in white history. paper, though, in the government's white paper, it was made clear that there was never a point where the British Parliament, the, the, the UK Parliament, our Parliament, was not sovereign. So... I get the feeling well, that you're, you're sort of implying that we weren't sovereign, that we didn't have control, uh, that you you, I, I you, you apply that slogan, the control of our money, our laws and our borders. So yeah. you felt that we don't have control of our laws? Uh, n not, uh, nowhere near, oh, nowhere near enough, nowhere near enough, because so we, we, it, we, we, were giving away, we were giving away power um, over, over a period of time, over the period of 40 years, which was fine because we, we agreed to do that in terms of uh, shared sovereignty, if you like, which is okay. when you're going into a block, that's fine. But after Maastricht and certainly after Lisbon treaties, then it started to change because the Lisbon treaty added a self-amending uh, part, part of it. So actually it didn't, more changes didn't have to come back for, for ratification in the national parliaments. And that was a real worry about where things were going to go. Yeah. Because I think the argument about the, about, um, the uh, whether we stayed in, a lot of people were saying they wanted to stay into to the EU as it was at that time in, in 2016. But the, the status quo won't won't stay because there are people wanting to go at very different speeds and Brussels is very different from the member states mm -hmm. as we've seen just recently there's a purity about the uh, political ideals of the people in Brussels who are driving the uh, the, the, the political mechanism so we're getting we, we, we get but we're getting out of those institutions we're then stopping paying all the big membership fees into uh, into, into the EU so we, you know if we pay if we pay in for shared projects and these kind of things that's our choice to do on an individual basis mm -hmm. so it's almost pay as you go rather than uh, uh, but, you know, but just a, to be clear I mean we're paying we, it, it's one percent of what we of our expenditure yeah it, it is a tiny amount I mean I know a lot of people say oh it's a lot of money and it sounds like a lot yeah. but it's 8.1 oh, no, billion I I pounds at the end of it after the rebate and after the calculation of what comes back you're talking about 123 pounds per year per no, person it's the smallest amount that we pay I, I, and we seem to get a lot of bang for our buck well, I was never convinced that we did. Really? Uh, yeah, no. I mean, I, I, I'm happy with the uh, the fact that it's 1% because I, I would make that same argument. I sit on our International Development Committee and it's, um, yeah. that's, you know, 0.7 clearly, but that's a pretty controversial figure in itself. Yeah. Uh, the amount that we, the 11 billion pounds that we spend on, um, in international development. But uh, so I, I clearly make that same argument when I'm defending that spend. So I'm not going to be hypocritical and, and, and uh, deny, you know, the, the percentage figures. But nonetheless, I just feel that we can better spend it ourselves as, 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 a, as a nation country okay. and then go back into go back into it. The, the final thing I think it, what it does as well, it does get rid of freedom of movement. Mm. Uh, and some people were driven by that. I'm not driven by uh, stopping immigration. I'd like to manage
manage and control it better and having a fairer immigration system, which is actually what we were talking about with the Bangladeshi caterers the other day. Uh, so they were not happy, by the way, were well, they? Yeah, because they've been led down the garden path that they expect everything to change day, day one. No, we, haven't even, well, we haven't even reached day one yet. No, we, we haven't. haven't left. But they, they were told, vote for Brexit, because you're going to get easier, you're going to find it easier to bring people from outside the EU and everyone will be Absolutely. on parity. To be, fair, to be fair, I was on platforms. I was at that BCA um, three, three year, two, three years ago, each time telling them, and I was saying, no, what it is, it gives us the better chance to lobby the government mm. because we've always had control of um, immigration from outside the, the EU, no doubt about that at all. But whilst the government is on a programme to try and reduce the net migration figures, it's sort of got one arm tied behind its back because it can't do anything about people coming, say, from Greece, where youth unemployment is 50%, Italy, Spain, when it's 40%, um, coming up here with an eye to the mind chance of hopefully getting work here, which is fine. I don't blame individuals for doing that. I'd do the same, frankly, if I was living in a country which wasn't doing well economically. But the system allowed them to do that. And so they were they they were then having to bear down a lot harder than they may, may, may need to do for people outside the EU. I'm curious, when you were campaigning to leave the EU, and, and you know, I find your reasons for leaving very eloquent and, and respectable. I don't agree with them, but I can, I can understand them. But when you made that point about immigration, did you also make the point when you were campaigning that we do have the right to send people back after three months if they can't prove that they have a job or they can prove that they're not going to be a burden to our social care system. We have that as, as, yeah. as European citizens. We yeah. choose not to enforce that, but that's on us. That's not on the EU. We choose not to enforce it. We, we've always been pretty useless at enforcing most um, immigration policies over over decades as well. I mean, the, the, um, so do you think the, that the, maybe the was disingenuous to make well, people no. believe that actually the only way we control EU, EU immigration is to vote to leave the EU? We can well, control EU immigration by staying in the EU. Fair, well. to, be, to be fair, as I said, that, that my main motivation was the political um, institutions. So it wasn't something that drove me. It drove a lot of people, clearly. And there, okay. were, there were different elements of the argument, not you know some that I engaged with and some that I didn't. But again, you say the political institutions, and I've sort of tried to educate myself as much as I can about the, the way the EU works and the way the EU is put together. And I can't see a huge difference between how our system works okay there, of course that's proportional representation we've got a first past the person but it doesn't seem i don't i'll cut to the chase i do not buy into the idea that this whole bunch of unelected bureaucrats who just sit there and make decisions without we have a veto um we have voted 95 percent in favor of 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 the laws there uh Two percent uh, against three percent. We've abstained when it comes to passing laws. Um, the laws are voted for by the European Parliament, which we vote for for people to be in the European Parliament. It doesn't seem like an unfair system. I don't, I mean, to be I don't fair, quite I'm, understand. To be fair, your... I'm going to forget the figures because it's two two years ago, and I've not been rehashing the referendum since. It's what you know. I've been looking forward to seeing how we leave. Sure. Uh, but but there are a number of occasions as well that yeah, that, you know, in in the council that we uh, we get um, that, that we can get some things through. Uh, but in other parts of the EU, especially in Parliament, that, we, that we've struggled a lot more to, to, to actually get things through, get some sense of agreement. That, but uh, our Parliament is sovereign here, so we've never been forced to accept something yeah, we don't rules, want. It's rules and directives, because at the end of the day, you had, I mean, the, the figures have increased now because of the last couple of years, the way the Department of International have been increasing, mm. helping people export. So we've got a lot more people exporting than, than we used to. But it used to be something like 6% of, of companies in the UK, full stop, that exported anyway, yet 100% of the regulations and directives um, 
uh, uh, counted on 100% of um, of the companies, whether you export or not. And so it's these these sort of burdens. But it's not just the, the, company, the, companies exporting; it's companies importing as well. You know, our car industry that that, that is based here, the manufacturing industry. Yeah. We're reliant on all those rules. Now, That's look, uh, there's no point in you and I sitting here and, and, and rehashing the uh, referendum. Uh, what I want to get to the bottom of is your support, uh, albeit grudging perhaps if i may use that term <laughs> support pra pra pragmatic pragmatic like. i pragmatic. like a pragmatist yeah. your your, pra your pragmatic support of a deal that to all intents and purposes does not seem to satisfy uh, as far as i can see the primary uh, reason why people will vote urge to vote uh, to leave the first being, OK, it, maybe it satisfies the freedom of, end of freedom of movement. I mean, Theresa May has been very, very her, her selling of the withdrawal agreement has been based on it ends freedom of movement. Mm. Um, for my liking, she also neglects to point out it ends freedom of movement for us as well. She has actually taken away a right from 65 million uh, citizens of the UK. We no longer have the right to go live, love, learn in the rest of Europe. Uh, she fails to say, I have taken away a right that you all had. But anyway, let, let's put that aside. Um, one of the big things that I thought was the selling point, and bear in mind that I, I, I don't understand much about the economy, and I'm trying to learn as much as I can, but it was the bit that I thought, oh, people are going to like this bit, is we can strike our own trade deals. Mm -hmm. We can make it on our own, mm -hmm. right? But with this trade deal, this, well, not trade deal, with this withdrawal agreement, you can't do that. Well, you can, you just can't do it immediately. Uh, and this is, the, this is where the complexity comes in. We've made the decision based on medium to long term. This is a 40, mm -hmm. 50 year decision uh, that we made, not something that we're just going to judge on, on, the, on the first two to five years or something like that. So, yes, and this is why it's not a perfect deal, because um, we've got hung up on the Irish backstop, uh, and which has is, which is pulled everything, dragged everything in. When you uh, say hung up, are yeah, you saying so, that essentially this is there's no reason for us to have got stuck on that? Yeah, the, but this well, is the fact that we signed a legally binding agreement called the Good Friday Agreement that put the end to no, but I think there are ways thousands of people losing their lives and put no, the end what, of the troubles. You no, no, think no, that that's, no, no, that's a bit of a drag? No, not no, not at all. What okay. I think is there are solutions um, for it. But uh, essentially, around a year ago, uh, we 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 started to come up this this on this path of the Irish backstop, which I think we could have settled through technical measures, which we're effectively, um, but this is Barney, Michelle Barney, Michelle Barnier himself is, is saying, right, let's look at technical, um, let's look at well, there was the, There was a paper from within the EU, I think it was called, was it called the uh, 2.0 technical paper where they, they said, you know, there is this technology we can offer, but it was decided that it wasn't good. The technology does not exist. But he's, come back to, he's come, coming back to it now, saying this is what he's going to be looking at in the yeah. next stage of the talks. But, so, but, so. but that's going to be... But, but let's both agree the fact that at the moment there is no technical solution. The, the technology is does not exist. It needs to be invented. And, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. Mm. Maybe it will be invented in the next three or four years. But right now we don't have it. But I think the, the, the look, I think you can either go down the line of either the maximum facilitation, as they called it, and the uh, and the. Uh, 
the, the you know technical solution or um, Theresa May's Checkers plan, which was actually looking at a combination, mm. a bit of a hybrid of two. So having the shared revenues, which are which um, the EU clearly didn't want to uh, didn't want to do. They didn't want us collecting money on behalf of the you EU. You can understand why they wouldn't want that. Right? Yeah, look, I mean this is part of negotiation. I mean yeah. you see you can see this both ways. I'm not uh, naive about it. That um, you know we're not expecting this to be easy at all. But I'm, all I'm saying is that I think we actually didn't go down far enough down the line of testing uh, the need for a backstop in the first place. But therefore, a year down the line, this is the inevitable conclusion of what we agreed a year ago, basically. And so a lot of people, especially on the leave side, uh, that want a clean break, are saying that, um, well, that we can't unilaterally leave uh, the, the, the backstop ourselves which um, is, is frustrating. I'll share that frustrating. But, uh, but the fact is, if we could, then it's not a backstop. It's not an insurance policy. If one, yeah. one lot can go, the other can has nothing to do with it. We can't um, put a date on it. Um, because again, Otherwise, it wouldn't have been a backstop. A backstop. Yeah. And so, therefore, all of this stuff, since the Chequers Agreement came out uh, through to now, you've had a whole load of clever lawyers trying to come up with semantics, uh, basically a load of clever wording that tries to square a circle that can't be squared. Um, and so much of that is based on trust. And, of course, trust is pretty uh, short. It's a rare commodity at the moment. Absolutely it is. And this is where the, this is where the problem's coming. That's where the problem's coming, because I think, that, you know, we've either got to bite the bullet and actually find a, a, a way of trusting each other so that we can move to the next stage, um, or we've got to, uh, uh, you know, find, find an alternative. And the alternatives are, are of concern. Quickly before we go to break, and I'm sure we're going to put this, uh, pick this back up. And uh, already I know that people are calling in to to, to have a word with you. Um, how worried are you about a no deal scenario? I'm prepared. I, I'm I'm content for it as long as we're prepared for it. Um, well, do you and, think and we are? Uh, to be honest, I, I don't know. I've seen all the, a lot of the technical papers that have been coming out, but I think what we would we need to do is start pretty soon, and especially. If we lose the lose the vote on the 11th, uh, we've got to press the button at that point. Even if we do come back for a second go, uh, mm -hmm. another another deal or something like that, uh, actually having the bilateral agreements because we can have the contingency plans, but we've still got to come back to the EU and say, right, let's uh, let's sign a, a bilateral open skies policy, for example, and those kind of it, things. It's interesting because you've just mentioned it. Theresa May mentioned it uh, to a couple of journalists uh, yesterday. She said that if she, if she were to lose. Um, this meaningful vote on the 11th of December, she'll have she'll go back for another vote. So cheeky question for me. It's OK to have a second vote on the meaningful vote, but it's not OK to have a second vote on the referendum. I think, yeah, good point. But then the second vote, I don't you can't just have a second vote on the same bit of paper. I think the, you'd need to have some changes well, from Brussels. Well, just just like the referendum, for example, you, you we know more now. The, the first question was a ridiculous question of in or out. But even let's take it according to Jacob Rees-Mogg as well, who made that statement in the House of Commons before the referendum. He said maybe we should have two, one on whether we want in or out and then another one whether we want the deal or not. I but apparently that's been called undemocratic. I think there's a whole load of problems with it. I mean, first of all, uh, I don't think you've got time. Second we can thing, extend I article uh, 50. Second thing, I don't think you can, um, you, we're likely to agree on a question anytime soon. I mean, if you if you had, say, for example, a three-way split and you had Remain and two leave options on the thing, yeah. Remain got 40 and the other two got 30 each. Yeah, yeah, you know. What, what do you do with that? I, I and take second, your point. And, and the third point, I think, you know, we, I, I take my responsibility as a, as a leave supporter really seriously to make sure that we do this in the best way and the most orderly way possible. Uh, and I'm going to make this happen. I'm not going to be a heroic loser about it. But, um, you know, it's it's up to me now and, and my colleagues to 
uh, be pragmatic, to be realistic, and to get our egos out of the way and actually um, see what what is the art of the possible. I'm not sitting there going to be like you know you, when you go to a party and you get a baby excited and then you hand it back to its angry parents. You know this is uh, <laughs> uh, this is the Brexit baby that I need to sort down and pacify. Uh, okay. Uh... <laughs> Paul Scully is here with me. He's going to be here with me for the remainder of the hour. Uh, he is in support of Theresa May's withdrawal agreement. Are you? Uh, 0344-499-1000 is the number that you need if you want to ask Paul of his reasons why he's going to go with a deal that, um, well, he's being pragmatic. And I actually admire him for that. 0344-499-1000 is the number you need to have a chat. Uh, at Talk Radio is what you, you need to tweet us on. Or you can text us on 87222. Text the word talk followed by your text message. We'll be back straight after these ads. Talk Radio. Join the Talk Nation. Pick up your phone and talk radio. We'll get you talking. A good summer. Finally. When your kids go to bed. Oh, finally. Making a profit. Finally. A business bank doing something different. Finally. Like giving cash back on your business account. Introducing the new Santander 123 Business Current Account. Finally. A proper reason to switch. Cash back up to £300 annually on credit turnover. Monthly fee £12.50. For UK-based companies with up to two directors, owners or partners. 18 plus T's and C's apply. Get ready for fantastic festive food in the Sunday Times this weekend. From Tom Kerridge's perfect Christmas lunch to Candice Brown's indulgent puddings and Will Lyon's winning wines, we've got everything you need. Don't miss your 52-page Christmas edition of The Dish. Only in the Sunday Times this weekend. Christmas. A risky time for gifts that have zero interest. But this one looks exciting. A Fiesta Active One. With 0% APR representative for £169 per month on three-year Ford options, with £5,000 deposit and an optional final payment of £7,512. It's the most technologically advanced Fiesta ever. The Fiesta Active One. One of the most interesting zero-interest gifts money can buy. Search Fiesta Active now. Ford. Together, we go further. Retail only for Fiesta Active One with 1 litre 100 PS Eco Boost Engine. Vehicles to be contracted by 31st of December 2018. Subject to status free post for credit. For more information, see Ford.co.uk. Talk Radio, traffic and travel. In Berkshire, the M4 is still very slow eastbound from Junction 12 at Calcutt, heading towards 10 at Wokingham. That's where two lanes are still closed after an accident. It's also slow on the westbound side past the scene. In Worcestershire, the M50 is closed this weekend either way between the M5 and Junction 2 for Ledbury for the works. And in Hampshire, it's crawling on the M3 in both directions between Junction 10 for Winchester and 11 at Winchester South. On the southbound side, two lanes are closed after an accident. There's also an oil spillage to be cleared up. I'm Claire Sharp. Inspired by twinkling Christmas stars, Costa's Hazelnut Praline Latte is everything you've been wishing for. Our signature espresso coffee with velvety smooth milk swirls with Belgian chocolate sauce and hazelnut syrup, finished with cream and a magical shimmer. And it's made using Mrs. Claus's own recipe, which he keeps hidden in Santa's Christmas sock drawer. Okay, the last part's a bit of an exaggeration. But if it's great coffee you're wishing for, wish upon a Costa. Available for a limited time only. Get something for the weekend with Alexis Conrad. The Saturday Show on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. Welcome back to the show with me, Alexis Conrad, here on Talk Radio. This is the Brexit Hour, and with me is Paul Scully, Tory MP, uh, uh, MP for Sutton and Cheam. Absolutely. What a lovely place in the world. Uh, and we are talking to Paul, uh, who's being frustratingly a pragmatist. Uh, he's not being unreasonable. 
He's not being all shouty, Brexity, calling me a Ramona. He's sort of being quite realistic, which I am not used to, I have to tell you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but maybe Peter, who's called from Wimbledon, will be able to, to, to rile Paul up and see if we can knock him off his pragmatism and, and straight thinking. Peter, welcome to the show. What do you want to say? Good afternoon, guys. Thank you. Thank you for taking the call. Thank you for holding this debate, Alexis. Um, for me, this issue of Brexit is probably the single most important decision of, of, of my life, and, and some, something that keeps me awake at night, uh, to be honest. And I think what we're lacking, we're lacking honesty. And uh, so many people on, on the Brexit side were telling us different things, and, and people voted for different reasons to leave the European Union. And a lot of the reasons where, where people were misled, they were, they were misinformed. Uh, I was listening today to a different station, and this lady came on and she said, one of the main reasons I voted to leave was because I'm really fed up with the European Court of Human Rights. And poor lady was not to know that our membership with the EU has nothing to do with the European Court of Human Rights. But still, she voted to leave. And I'm wondering how many people like that, like that lady, you know, who voted for this change without realizing what she's doing. Okay. And, and, and what, what, in my opinion, what I'm trying to say is that when you look into the, a lot of issues where you, Alexis, pointed out to IMP earlier on about commission, about the small little fee we pay for unrestricted access to the biggest trading block in the world. Um, uh, we, are too, we, have, we are left with two options, basically. No deal, which is catastrophic, everyone admits, for this country, or leaving on Theresa May's terms, uh, basically set up a European Union, which, which they have set sort of rules. We have to either abide by them or just leave. And, and uh, if, if our politicians were honest to the nation, and they said from day one, look, guys, we are going to be worse off. Tell us how much we're going to be worse off and how long for. Because everyone knows we will be worse off. And, th and those who are saying that we will be okay because we are the fifth largest economy in the world or sixth, whatever it is, they're just lying. And the thing is that they, they have their agenda to push this forward because a lot of people make okay. money on this, on Brexit. And, and, and my, my, my request is to the people is be honest and give us an option to make more informed decisions. Okay. Because a lot... Yeah. Okay, Peter. Um, Peter's asking for honesty. Mm. Philip Hammond, uh, you know, the Chancellor, sat down and uh, in a public interview, radio broadcast interview, he said that even with this withdrawal agreement, we are going to be worse off. Now, you as, as an MP, you have been voted to look after your constituents. Yep. You've been voted in. Your primary concern mm -hmm. is to make decisions yep. that will maintain their quality of life uh, and hopefully see them better off. What, what you're not there to do is vote for something that could potentially see them worse off. Most of the forecasts and your own chancellor is saying we're going to be worse off. Why would so. you vote for anything that will see your constituents so worse there's, off? There's, so there's two things. I think actually if you go out of London, you don't have to go too far out of London to actually mm -hmm. find people that actually literally did vote uh, happy to be worse off. Uh, because it was about sovereignty, about immigration, whatever, whatever their their views were, that that was their drive. Sure, well, that's it that's not what like, you're there for. You're no, not no, a representative. No, 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 no absolutely. No, it's almost that blitz mentality that's sure. for some people. Um, they, then you, you ask for honesty, and that's what I'm absolutely trying to give. Uh, when you t read about some of this stuff, it's like um, uh, you read some of the coverage of what Philip Hammond, Mark Carney, and all, all mm. these other people are saying. Uh, it's, it's as if we're going to be uh, losing money. Actually, what they're saying is that w the economy is not going to grow as fast as it sure. might do in, in other circumstances. But you then get to the situation uh, where 
you know, we do literally have to keep adjusting our forecast, treasury forecast, year on year. So to try to predict 20, 30 years' time, it's just fanciful, frankly. You, sure, but why would you, even, even, even in what you say there, and I think this is what Peter is asking as well, the honesty, which, which I have to say, you're being very honest, but why, again, as an MP, as a government, would you willingly say, I tell you what, instead of growing 10% in the next 15 years, let's just grow 5 what, Why would I you make that because choice? I think there are other, there are clear factors that haven't been put into those treasury. Sure. Assumptions. So you believe it's about that escalating trade in other in other regions that's just right. not there. Um, so you know you can, you can I'll give you random examples like Mozambique for example where we had exactly zero trade last year. We now have four and a half billion um, because of some simple tweaks that the Department of International Trade have done. I'm a trade envoy to Thailand, um, Brunei, mm -hmm. Burma, and Thailand is is has grown significantly. Um, you have the those ASEAN regions. The ASEAN region that combined is going to be the third biggest trading partner. Is it going to be anywhere near? Well, it's the, the amount of trade that we do with our closest partners. This is the ninety percent of economic growth by the EU's own forecast is mm -hmm. going to come from outside uh, outside Europe. So, um, but, so this is but, but this is why I want to get the balance right. This is why I'm happy to support the deal because actually I'm not someone that is going full tilt to try and get. Uh, the clean WTO Brexit, because that's actually that, the daft thing about that as well, slightly sidetracking, is I'm not entirely sure why those who want to default WTO Brexit want to have a free trade agreement with the rest of the world, but they don't want to have it with the EU. You can't, that just doesn't make any sense debate intellectually. You know, you, if you want a free trade agreement with America, surely you want a free trade agreement with e, the EU. You can't have it opposite, opposite arguments sort of thing. Um, so, uh, Peter, you wanted yeah, to come sorry, in coming back in. Yeah, just, just one point I'd like to make is because we, it's a well-known fact that the fastest growing economies are in developing countries, not in, in the Western world. And it is, it's not news, you know. The fact is that the whole of Africa has got the same GDP as France. And we, we kind of, we, we, we're going to be saying that we're going to be trading with, with all these countries. And there, there's a lot of issues there which are going to be an obstacle, like reg regulatory standards, you know, of, of goods we're going to be trading on. You know, where are we going to lower our standards or those developing countries going to raise theirs? How quick is this going to happen? You know, and, and there's so many issues there to discuss. But we're not discussing the details, unfortunately, because people in general have to be kept in the dark. They, they're not interested in that. And, and, and Paul, you just mentioned about, you know, immigration. More than half of immigration to this country come from non-EU countries, which yeah. this government could control and never did. And should you ask yourself the question, why didn't they? And the answer, I know the answer, but you should ask yourself as well. No, and I the know, reason look. is that because this country needs these immigrants, and the, and the thing is, if they didn't need them here, this would have been curbed down a long time ago. But it didn't. And but instead, you blame in EU and in uncontrolled immigration no, on the EU. EU immigrants are only half of them, and and we we're still having growing immigration uh, figures from non-EU countries. Why are we not controlling them? Peter, okay, Peter, Peter I'm, not, I'm not I'm not blaming the EU for for immigration. I'm blaming uh, partly our, our membership of it to uh, for the fact that um, that we've actually been quite lazy over the last 40 years in terms of either default going out to the rest of the world to to recruit whether it's nurses, whether it's some commercial. Um, uh, 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 corporates uh, that they go there first rather than look look to ourselves. The curry industry, funny enough, that one that we were talking about right at the beginning of the show is is, is case in point. Their, their default is to bring people from Bangladesh. There is more that we can do about that, but actually there's a lot more we can do. The long term is to train people here. I'm the son of an immigrant. My father came from Burma. He came. He was an engineer. He came. He worked on the docks in Rangoon and then Glasgow and became an engineer and, and, and worked through. So I've seen the great side of immigration, what it can do. But all I want to do is just manage it a, bit, a little bit better. 
better, manage it, can control uh, a bit better. So I, we have the skills. I don't care where people come from. As long as they've got the skills, as long as they've got the entrepreneurial spirit, then that, that's fine for me. So I don't care if they're from France, Greece, Bangladesh, Australia, Canada, wherever. Okay. Well, exactly. That's my that's my point. We can, but we're not doing it. That's my point. Yeah. So sorry. Actually, yeah, I didn't answer your question. So the, the um the so the we, we can we can control both, but so we're we not can doing control, it. You no, know so, I mean? Yeah. That's so. Peter, what I was saying before was that the point is that the um yes, we can control both, but the because of the drive and yeah, look, it's 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 my government that's saying we want to bring um uh migration down to the tens of thousands, uh and so because we are slightly stymied because of the freedom of movement, we are bearing down more heavily on the on those outside the EU as a result. Clearly, that's something, you know, we, we can control, um, fully control uh, migration from that. you can control it EU. now. No, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. But you can, can control, control it now. within the but EU. The leaving the no, EU doesn't give you any more, I just think any give, different it, control. It, it gives them more space to actually, to, 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 to actually be able Not to... Not really, uh, and we know that EU uh, migrants have been net contributors to the economy. They've been putting more in than they've been taking out. Yeah, but I agree with that. You know, agree with that. You, so you agree with that. So why would because you... I, look, I've so, had people on the streets. So, well, I've had people when I've been okay, uh, door but, knocking. They've been talking about, yeah, they, but they're coming over here. They control, they're, they're taking out benefits. And, uh, but it's not true. So then it's your job to say it's not true. And that's what, which is what I've been saying, because they've been saying uh, um, they've been taking out benefits and they've been taking out jobs where you can't do both. No, Again, it's true. So, 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 so the construction industry is a really good case in point, because when I've been going out and meeting chippies and sparkies and a the lot, they, they're worried about competition. Now, actually, again, that is long term. It's similar to a sort of black cab slash Uber uh, debate. Um, it's, it's what do you need to do to reform your own industry mm -hmm. uh, when you're worried about competition coming in from outside. So there are, there are loads of balances to be uh, to be thrown in. It's not okay. simple. Uh, Peter, thank you for your call. That was Peter in Wimbledon. Uh, Paul's going to be here with me for the next hour, so do give us a call, uh, especially if you're a Brexiteer um, who does not support uh, Theresa May's deal, uh, which I think is the majority of Brexiteers I've come across do not support Theresa May's deal. 0344 499 is the number you need, or you could tweet us at Talk Radio. Um, there was some uh, news uh, just before you arrived at the station, uh, because you mentioned that you are one of the trade envoys. Um, there is news uh, now coming out that uh, I think it's seven to about 10 of 21 uh, uh, trade envoys, Theresa May's trade envoys, about a third are not going to vote for this withdrawal agreement. So you have about a third of the prime minister's trade envoys not going to vote for her withdrawal agreement. What do you make of that? To be fair, a third of them are Labour anyway. So you've got Rushnara Ali, is Bangladeshi. Well, they're, they're not all conservatives. So they, they're people that have got, generally have got an affinity with the place. Most of them are. You've got a, a Lib Dem law. Uh, but there, to be fair, there are there are conservative ones who are oh, not no, going to vote for that. Yeah, well, they, that's, they've got to consider that. So what happens way. to you guys if uh, come December the 11th, which is the meaningful vote day, uh, the withdrawal agreement is not voted through and it's looking i mean you're behind by just under 200 votes at the moment a mm, mm. hundred of which roughly are so, conservative votes so are you asking me as a trade envoy what happens to me no i'm asking i'm asking you as 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 a supporter of of uh, the prime minister albeit i do respect that you're being very pragmatic and you haven't uh, fallen in love with a version of Brexit that simply just does not exist. I'm relieved to hear that you are not a fan of let's just not pay any money and leave yeah, yeah, and and just say out means out and um, we don't have anything. Um, so I'm relieved from all that. But, but what worries me slightly is I can't see where you go from there because you're let, let's take it one step at a time. So you lose the vote. What happens next? 
then I think the Prime Minister needs to go back to Brussels. This is my, my view. It needs to go back to Brussels and say, look, see, I told you so. Um, because this is always going to be up against it. And the, right away from when she came up with the white paper, the Chequers white paper, uh, it was clear that, that that was right at the end of everyone's tether, frankly. Can we say categorically, Ru- Brussels have already said, this is it. This is the deal. Yeah, but there were ways, to, there were ways of doing it. Um, you can add an addendum onto the withdrawal agreement. You can beef up the, politi- where the political do you think, declaration, these kind of things. Where do you think the tweak could fair, be made? To be fair, I really don't know, which is why I'm, you know, I'm, I, I would prefer it to go through first time because for the reasons that I said about the Irish backstop. I think that is the biggest sticking point um, uh, in the, from what I can see from... For people, because mm-hmm. uh, and you know when you talk about people, uh, and this might get you some callers. It, it frustrates me when I, some of the emails I get, some of the comments I get on Twitter, and these sort of things, but when they use the word vassalage or the phrase vassal state, yeah, because that's you know I, I get a lot of the betrayal stuff, vassal state, and this is clearly just what cut and paste from someone else's thoughts. Well, it's um, Boris Johnson uh, used the, so, so well, the this, both the Johnson brothers sort of used like the, the, You know, remember the opening of Monty Python and the Holy Grail with yeah. the peasant saying, "I didn't yeah. realize we had a king. I thought we had an autonomous collective." I think it's the sort of uh, you, know, you know just picking out sort of um, a political theory book um it's so much more nuanced than that okay so let's say it, i mean look at the moment anything is possible uh, of course and and fool be he who would stand up and make any sort of prediction but it is looking more likely than not that it won't be voted through mm. um do you think uh, we are in any danger of ending up with a no deal scenario because uh, i think the parliamentary uh, twitter feed has put out the sort of legally what can happen they have a sort of a skeleton chart of if it's a, if it's a no we go this way if it's a yes we go this way mm. and there's a lot of it which ends up with we just leave with no deal yeah. is that actually possible yes the default is the default i mean so for, look for, for, but how would it pass so through parliament it, well, it, it doesn't, doesn't have to, to. Doesn't it just to. literally doesn't need to so first of all uh, let's just uh, uh, cha- cha- uh, challenge the words for you it's a danger if we leave without a deal for me it's a risk uh, there's, because as i say i'm prepared to one of the things theresa may needs to do should she lose is um uh, is go back to brussels as i said but then also to start the actual bilateral side of getting the no deal stuff together the the the, the open mm-hmm. skies policy for uh, airport airplanes you know if you've got someone that's uh, I, I keep meeting people that are going to greece on the 29th of march so so uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, so let's get them back safely yeah. um and uh, and and those kind of, you, you literally need to start signing deals um the no deal deals as it were yeah um for, for as soon as as soon as that happens on the basis that if we can't have a second go at it and get something through we have already started that process that's that's just got to happen now you you can't you can't mess around but so what you actually do the risk is for for the people that are the pure levers of exactly as you said right at the beginning of extending article 50 because actually if there were votes various votes in the commons that's the one i can see majority in parliament for extending article uh, extra, 50. extending i mean it's more complicated than that clearly about whether you get that happens but because that would give us enough time a, to maybe have a second referendum yeah, or a just, general election but i just think that will get kicked into the long grass so you know because and, and, and that's the one way i believe that uh, we'll see what happens with the court case but i believe that's the one way that we can end up with with no brexit at all is just an infinite extension of article 50 effectively so the people that are digging the heels in to to to, uh, that want to leave with a WTO Brexit risk not leaving at all. Similarly, the people that want to have, you know, they're just expecting to have a Bobby Ewing moment, the, the fact that you can open their eyes and that this has all gone away, risk the WTO Brexit. So they're each risking the diametric opposite position to the one that they hold. I mean, I have to say, from a hustler's point of view, and I, I maybe I'm not uh, much of a politician, but I've spent a career being a hustler for a very long time. Uh, 
I have to say she's played this hustle part very well because to leave her, she's saying, mm, you might not get a Brexit at all. And to remain, she says, you might get a WTO no deal scenario. Now, you can't have both. We know that. So it, it, it is quite a hustle to be telling people, well, either of those outcomes are definitely definitely there to be had whereas actually we all know that there is no majority for a no deal uh, so, yeah, I, 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 in the house but I'll and, come back to that you don't need, you don't need one yeah but you'd like to think that after all the shouting and the kicking and the screaming about parliament being sovereign you'd like to think the parliament wouldn't be wouldn't fall into something that nobody wants well they did that a little while ago because that was when <laughs> when we invoked article 50 that's exactly what article 50 says it says we, we you know we get see, signal our intention to uh, uh to to leave and uh, after two years uh the treaty no no longer applies um and so so that's there's only three or four sentences in article 50 it's relatively straightforward mm -hmm. um and uh so it's it's sort of like you know you're handing your keys back at the end of a lease effectively okay uh, i want to hear from you if you're convinced that may's deal is as good as it gets and what would happen if theresa may loses that meaningful vote uh in december the 11th i believe it is in a, in a couple of weeks time uh oak before four four nine nine one thousand is the number you need you can tweet the word talk followed by your message to eight seven triple two uh that's actually text the word talk to eight seven triple two or you could tweet us it's free go on tweet us at talk radio Across the UK, online and on DAB. A new kind of talk radio. We'll get you talking. Frustration. Elation. When you meet him at the station. A kiss. The bliss of a passion you can't miss. A kind of mind you never thought you'd find. Untangle the twisted knot of finding your perfect partner at talkradiosingles.co.uk. It's the online dating service which connects you with like-minded local people looking for someone special. Try Talk Radio Singles today. You can join, set up your profile and even browse for compatible partners all for free. Talkradiosingles.co.uk. 100% soul connection. Monthly subscription applicable on activation. It's only just launched, but the new Vauxhall Combo Van has already delivered. For the heavy lifters, with its payload of up to a ton. For the fuel savers, with its highly efficient engines. And now, we're delighted to announce, it's also delivered the coveted title of International Van of the Year 2019. New Combo. Carries British business. Vauxhall. British brand since 1903. Search Vauxhall Combo. Get ready for fantastic festive food in the Sunday Times this weekend. From Tom Kerridge's perfect Christmas lunch to Candice Brown's indulgent puddings and Will Lyons' winning wines, we've got everything you need. Don't miss your 52-page Christmas edition of The Dish, only in the Sunday Times this weekend. Talk radio, traffic and travel. In Berkshire, the M4 is still very slow eastbound from Junction 12 at Calcutt, heading towards 10 at Wokingham. That's where two lanes are still closed after an accident. It's also slow on the westbound side past the scene. In Worcestershire, the M50 is closed this weekend, either way, between the M5 and Junction 2 for Ledbury for the works. And in Hampshire, it's crawling on the M3 in both directions from Junction 10 for Winchester and 11 at Winchester South. On the southbound side, two lanes are closed after an accident. There's also an oil spillage to be cleared up. I'm Claire Sharp. Christmas jumpers! Yeah, not everyone loves them, but we all love great savings. And at Tesco Mobile, our Black Friday event is full of them. 
Like saving £108 on the Samsung Galaxy S9 and S9 Plus from £30.25 a month. Offer ends 2nd of December. However you do Christmas, everyone's welcome at Tesco Mobile. Saving based on £3 a month over 36-month credit agreement with Tesco Mobile Limited. 24-month usage agreement subject to status. Phase policy applies. See tescomobile.com slash terms. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. Join me, the Reverend Mike Graham. Revolutionary, rebellious, rebuilt, rebranded. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Weekday mornings from 10 on Talk Radio. Entertaining debates, big name guests, and outspoken opinions. The Saturday Show with Alexis Conrad on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. Welcome back to the show with me, Alexis Conrad, here on Talk Radio. We are discussing May's deal. Are you convinced this is as good as it gets? 0344 is the number you need. Or you can tweet us at Talk Radio. With me, I have Paul Scully. He's the Tory MP for Sutton and Cheam. And he's a lever and he supports May's deal. Which is which is kind of extraordinary. Uh, again, just a, f- a few things coming out. Um, it was reported yesterday, last night, I believe, in the Mirror, uh, that we are now no longer going to be part of the Galileo system, the s- s- system that we paid in. Uh, God knows how many millions, and we—I think we were quite instrumental in its uh, development as well. Yeah, we were. I think it's 1.4 billion. I think or something yeah, like that. Yeah, uh, but we also made the agreement that uh, third countries uh, who wishing to use it are not going to have full access to it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So May has actually conceded that we are now no longer going to be part of it. We're going to have to walk away and build our own system to the cost of five billion. Yeah, possibly. It's, it's, it's frustrating. Um, we're also going to lose uh, 37 finance firms and announce that they might be moving to Frankfurt. Uh, at that cost of that, leaving the cities 800 billion. I mean, I've got to ask you, Paul, um, and again, um, rather disappointingly, you're not a swivel-dyed loon who screams Brexit and no deal. And you seem quite reasonable. But looking at all this, looking at, at how difficult it has been to get any sort of positive news out of it, would you still have voted for it? In an instant. Absolutely, really? in an instant. Yeah, I'm ambitious for this country. And what what's frustrated me over the last couple of years is the paucity of ambition in, in, in reaching out. We've not been talking about the... Uh, I'm not talking about sunny uplands, naive sunny uplands. I'm talking about real... Uh, opportunities. You know, in the last 10 years, you, I know you can you look at the size of the markets, but the last t- 10 years, the, there are two continents that didn't grow at all. One was the Antarctic, one was Europe. Um, and, and then you've got places like India has just become the fourth biggest economy in the world. Um, and uh, you know, all we've been looking at the Trans-Pacific Partnership as an early win, mm-hmm. uh, a possible early win for when we leave the EU as one of the first trade deals, which is with 11 other countries, including Japan, Canada. It's tiny. Uh, it's well, tiny. Japan, and, Japan and Canada are pretty sizey. But even si- if you put them together, things. it's still and the, the, tiny but the growth, compared the, to what we do The growth the there is going to be pretty substantial. Because as I said at the beginning, you're going to be this is a 30, 40, 50 year decision. So this is long term planning. Uh, so we've got to get the short term planning right. So the Galileo project. Nobody's said that on the run-up to the referendum. I did, I'm sorry to bore you. No. I, did. I did, but that's no what, one know, said. It, they said it's the easiest deal in history. Yeah, we hold all the cards. I mean, the, mo- the media doesn't always cover boring. You see, this is yeah. But had, so, had people uh, been honest, which is what Chris was referring to earlier, and said, "Look, you know, we take this decision. It's going to take 30, 40, 50 years for us to actually really see the benefits. Maybe you would have had a different result." 
I, we, we, we were outlining that at all, at all times. I know there was a you know, vast, vast array of opinions on both sides, a vast range of opinions. But coming back to your original points, Galileo, I think, shows how tough the negotiations are going to be. Um, and you talk, talk about financial services. Actually, the, the political declaration talks about you know, getting the best deal for financial services. So, yes, it's a hope because we've got to get to that next stage. Anyone that's bored of Brexit, we're only halfway through. Oh, God, we haven't even started bit. the negotiations. But if you look at, actually, I was just reading, uh, I think it was the Spectator Index the other day about the top 20 uh, mm -hmm. financial uh, um, cities in the world. London, clearly number one. The next European city was Paris at number 20. So, uh, you know, well, so well terms, way ahead, but how, so lo how no, long what, will it stay there? What I mean is, what I mean is, the risk is actually, it's not going to Paris and Frankfurt. It's going to New York, Hong Kong, Singapore, those kind of areas. So that's okay. We've got Andy from Portsmouth. Andy, welcome to the show. What do you want to say? Oh, thank you very much for taking my call this afternoon, and, and um, hello to both of you. Um, uh, what I was going to say is two points. The first point is about the legal default position, i.e., on the 29th of March at um, 11 o'clock in the evening, we will leave. That's the default position by law. Now, it doesn't seem to be clear to lots of people, including including yourself. I'm, I mean, I, I don't know if you're playing devil's advocate or not, Alexa, but um, it, it, the fact is that if you have to extend Article 50, as I see it, then you have to now start coming down to getting laws voted through to extend Article 50, because the default law, which is already there, is to leave. If you want to... Uh, have no Brexit at all. Again, you've got to now start voting laws through to have no Brexit at all, because, again, the default position is to leave on the 29th of March. So I can't... By the time you, you're, you're going to be as frustrated on the votes of those two as you, as you have been on all the votes leading up to this point, as I can see. Sure, that, Andy... That's my first point. Andy, I don't disagree with anything you've just said just yet. I know that there are currently very smart uh, people who understand law far better than uh, myself uh, looking at the technicalities of what that would entail and whether or not we could ask for an extension and, of course, whether or not the EU would gladly hand us that extension. So I think, I think you're spot on. But carry on, you're going to make another point. Yeah, well, sorry, can I, Andy, can, oh, hang on. So, sorry, Andy, can, I, on, just, pause, can I just cut in to agree with you? Because actually, yeah. the um, uh, it's not only just extending Article 50, and it's not only if the uh, Parliament just say amends something to say, um, oh, we want to we want to stay in for a while. The Notice of Withdrawal Act that we that we passed a little while a few months back actually has in it that the Treaty of Rome, that all the laws of the Treaty of Rome, stop at 11 o'clock on the 29th of March. Yes. So you're absolutely right. So you'll actually have to f fundamentally change primary legislation, which is w yes. which the government has to put forward. The, the opposition can't do that. OK, Andy, moving right. on to your next point. All right, so the next point, and may I say that the... And I didn't catch the MP's name you've got on, but I've got to say, for someone who's actually voting for the deal out of uh, some of the MPs that I've heard giving the hard doorstep sell... He sounds an awfully reasonable gentleman, I have to say. Paul, Paul Scully, MP for uh, Sutton and Cheam. Remember, he's, you heard it here first. He's yeah. right here. Right. Uh, I, I think he sounds a very reasonable gentleman, although he's a, he's, he's a polar opposite to my view. But he does sound one of the more reasonable people I've, I've heard pushing Theresa May's argument forward. But this is my point. In terms of the 27 vetoes, um, now, uh, as I see it, we could be held in perpetua for you know, ever and a, and a day. In terms of, so for example, France could use their veto, and they're already starting to use it as leverage on fishing grounds. Yeah. So you haven't taken your 
fishing back because France could use that if we wanted to get out. Spain could use their veto again to get more concessions on Gibraltar. What would the other 25 do? I, I just don't see us ever getting out of a position where someone's not going to be leveraging us for something. I just can't see it. Paul, and as for a, an independent coastal state, I think that's just a legal term, and I don't think that's worth the paper it's written on. So if, we, if we're going to talk about vetoes in the uh, w- uh, withdrawal agreement, fine, then that's what I mean about having to start the bilateral agreements going on now for no deal, because, um, you know, the, the, the point is if we... Uh, if they're going to start putting their weight over these important issues, and clearly you know, we'd be surprised if they didn't, frankly, um, yeah. because this, this, that's how negotiations uh, work. That um, you know, we have that no deal that we need to. We've got the 39 billion. We've got all the other bits and bobs that we do need to throw into the mix and say, well, okay, fine. Well, we don't have any option. If you're not going to, if you're going to veto this, then where are we going to go? We're, we can come back and only give you so much. We can't give you everything uh, because there's no but, but, way I'll get that department. You know, because I'm, I'm literally talking to, to, to a person right in the throat, so I'm quite privileged to be able to talk to you to get an answer from the horse's mouth, as it were. Mm. Would you say that if Mrs May's deal passes on the 12th of December, are we now waiting to get out? Uh, are we now facing a position where 27 countries have got to let us go without vetoing us for some form of leverage? We're, we're at their back and call and their goodwill. I mean, with, that, with no spin, that's where we are, isn't it? Uh, well, if we only if we're going to stick with that deal. But as I say, the uh, the point is, it's effectively deal or no deal, to quote Neil Edmonds, I suppose. But um, you know, we. we but I think we, what Andy's saying there, and correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, is is if this withdrawal agreement goes ahead. Yeah. Yeah, we can only really progress after the withdrawal agreement in, into signing some sort of meaningful deal to trade with our biggest yeah. with our biggest partners with all 27 uh, members agreeing. So no vetoes from anyone. We can't actually even start the process until 11 o'clock on the 29th of March because we've got to be a third country to, to be able to start that process. Sure. That's that's part of the problem. That's, that's true. But we can all look ahead and we all know what's going to happen. Just because we can't start something, it doesn't mean we can't think ahead. Which depends the political declaration, yeah. And they can see that. You need 27 yeses to get anywhere out of this deal and move on as a progressive, independent country. And that is never... You know, you're a sensible person, you know that's never going to happen. Just 27 straight yeses. Because everyone's going to want their pound of flesh from us for something, even if some people don't. And And because they've seen the way we've negotiated thus far, we've negotiated from a very... Um, passive position. We haven't been proactive. We've, 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 we've literally been a, a, a subservient position where we've been taking instructions and orders. We haven't literally gone to them and taken, this is how we see it and this is what we want. I remember something Mrs May once said. She said, this is all the EU are giving us. And I said to the television, no, no. Say, this is what we're giving you to the EU. We're we should be an equal, yeah. um, a, 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 a equal people in a, a, in a partnership. We should be equal positions in negotiations. We know, but we're Andy, no better than them. Andy, how can we do that though? When we we have, and maybe this you, this will upset you, and you won't agree with me, but we we have less leverage. We are the ones who want to leave the club, but still want to retain some bits of the club that we like. That puts us in a weaker well, position. We are still wanting to do trade deals with them. Well, well, you know, uh, OK, I understand what you're saying. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, 
Personally, me, whether it was Remain or Leave, you know, we're in this position now, so I actually voted Remain, believe it or not. Mm. And the only reason that I'm Leave, I voted Remain for all the same reasons that you're talk, still talking about now. Yeah. And I've been absolutely disgusted the way that the EU have, have, have treated us. Why? Why, though? Period. Why, though, Andy? They've been straight from the very beginning. They said, look, oh, you can right. have a Canada deal, you can have Norway. Or you can have this deal. Well, I mean, they fair, haven't they really changed well, they didn't much. Really say Canada because they said you can have Canada, but we're having we're having Northern Ireland is effectively what they said. Well, um, yeah, but that's because we have already had an agreement there before. That's not their fault. Well, yeah, yeah but I mean that, that that's that's not how it's sold. So when people leave us, are sort of saying, oh yeah, well, uh, um, Donald Tusk is offering Canada. Well, he's he's not really offering Canada as they see no. it. That's the point. Uh, that's, and, that's exactly the point, Paul. That's exactly the point, Paul. Yeah, yeah, Andy, indeed. Uh, Andy, Alex, I, I, may, I, may I just say one last thing? Yeah, go on. I've got to go to the news. Go on. 30 seconds. Yeah. When people say that you won't get any better deal uh, than, than, than a club that, that you're in, what I say to them is this, that my local club might do the best Sunday lunch on offer as a member, but however, the clientele's going down a bit, the management's getting a bit poor, the service is deteriorating, and actually, it may cost me more to eat my Sunday lunch at home, but I'd be in the surroundings that I want to be, and it'd be a lot more comfortable. You know, I like it. I, <laughs> I like it. Andy, thank you very much for calling. That's Andy from Portsmouth. For lunch. Uh, Paul, thank you. That It's gone. Brexit hour's done. And uh, <laughs> you've been disappointingly pragmatic. But thank you. <laughs> thank you. No, and I look forward Let's to having it. more chats because uh, I want to keep in touch and see how things are going because you seem to ha be very pragmatic and I like that. So thank you very much. That's Paul Scully, MP for uh, Cheam and Sutton. I'm all right. Uh, that's us done. Uh, but uh, after the Brexit hour, after the news, we will talk about austerity. Talk radio. Join the talk nation. Dial up and talk radio. We'll get you talking.